Hello, everybody. I'm so pleased to see you here. This is wonderful. I am Sean Killingsworth. Welcome to the second Sunday Poetry Series. This is our fabulous April reading. Um, if I seem distracted, it's because I'm letting people in from the waiting room. So I've got a bit of a bifurcated attention here. But um, our recording is happening right now. So we will be able to witness uh, live and also um, catch the recording later on our YouTube channel. So if you have YouTube or you subscribe, whatever, you can subscribe to us and catch all of the readings since we started last September. So um, welcome to the Second Sunday Poetry Series. Um, I'm the curator and the host, and I'm really glad to see all of you here today. Um, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a tough sell to get people to come in the spring because it's always so gorgeous out after a long winter and you know people wanna be outside, um, but you will be rewarded for your efforts with some amazing poetry. Our featured poets today are Diane Lee and Parthos Serino and Kai Coggin. I am so grateful to all three of you for sharing your work with us today. I've really been looking forward to this reading um, and I'm grateful to you for sticking around after that exciting interruption. Um, thanks are also due to the Marin Poetry Center who loans us their Zoom account. And thanks to all of you attendees who spread the word about Second Sunday Poetry Series on social media and verbally to your communities. Um, if anybody wants to activate your live transcription, uh, you just need to click the three little dots on your screen. Um, I think they're at the bottom. They, they will say more. Let's see. And yeah, and you should be able to get the transcript. Um, and it will just pop up underneath the people as they're speaking. So without any further ado, I think I'd like to get started. Um, so Diane, will you take it away? Yes, um, let's see, were you going to read my I bio was going or should to I do that? I'm, so, yeah. I'm a little uh, discombobulated, sorry. So yeah, I, of course. Sorry about that. So Diane Lee Mumi has lived and wandered around the U.S. and Canada and now lives in Half Moon Bay, California, where she co-hosts a monthly series called Coast Side Poetry. She has also taught poetry appreciation to older adults through Foothill College's Disability Resource Program. A regular reader at the San Francisco Bay Area poetry venues, Diane has published work in the MacGuffin, Wright, Think, Mezzo Kamen, McQueen's Quinterly, and others, and has been nominated for three Pushcart Prizes. She's also the author of four poetry collections, and the most recent is Make for Higher Ground. Diane is also a watercolorist and collage artist, an experience that both seeds and is seeded by her poetic imagery. And you can visit her at Diane Lee Mumi Art. Dot com. Okay, Diane. Oh, thanks. Thank thanks you. so much, Sean. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody, for coming out on this beautiful spring afternoon and sitting in front of your screen. Oh, hope everyone is all well. I'd like to open with a couple poems about what, for me, are grounding and centering practices. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar with Tai Chi, each of the movements within the longer form has its own name, usually rather poetic. Sunday morning, Tai Chi class. First, stand on the bubbling well, then grasp the sparrow by its tail. Turn, spin, the white crane spreads its wings. 
play the moon guitar, embrace the tiger, then return to the mountain, turn, turn. Make sure to repulse the monkey while waving hands in the clouds, turn. The golden pheasant is standing on one leg, the fair ladies weaving at the shuttle, spin. Now step forward and salute the seven stars of the dipper. Step back to ride the tiger. Spin again, sweeping the lotus gently with one foot. Sunday morning, earth turns slowly on its axis while I turn on mine. Origami, a simple square is folded twice and thrice, and look, a house appears. It's nothing but itself. Unf unfold it back to square and fold again. Another house across each face, the creases from a previous abode. I'll continue on to a couple observations on the interface between human and nature. Elementary, a love letter. You enter what is empty and surround all objects in your path. Adopt the shape of anything that holds you. Underground, you follow every crevice. Fill the space around each root. Above, you'll ride a storm at poles or at the planet's waist. You cream at ocean's edge and swiftly shift your form according to the weathers, now ice, now steam. On slender skis, I've slid across your back in heat and cold have waded overflow, have crossed your bridges, fallen in, been filled and fallen on. In different moods, you'll crack a window, smash a boat, or gently follow a finger placed in the smallest woodland rill. Freeway exit. Wild geese fly the 101, not quite on these four lanes now north and four south plus median, but above us, a ragged line, its leader purposefully beating wind, long neck reaching, heading east along the exit ramp to Bayfront Park. Cousin geese wait there, surely, enough to make a quorum, enough to form the necessary V for the voyage south. Silent geese, these, what with the tires hiss and thumpings over potholes, 
what with the whistle of winds around my half-downed window, black beaks seem merely open, but oh, I know they are honking. Chaparral. Your window widths enough of it tonight. Not for this hour, the bold outdoor stride of noontime, foxtails stuck to denim, the click of boot heels on small rocks, the hiking stick. Your blinds reveal the moondark slope divided into neat gray slices. When even that's too much, twist the plastic bar to lay the slats flat against the glass. Turn up the radio, blot out the yucca and the sage, the call of all that's feral. You know the wildest out there. That might be all you need tonight. Heron, improbably on Main Street. A heron, blue, great, flew over her roof today in heron fashion. The first she'd seen to levitate above her carapace of asphalt shingles, gray. Where once Ohlone lived is pavement, is honking cars a glitter. Heron, the first she's seen this far from marsh or meadow, so far from creek or estuary, so far from meat and fish, flew in Heron Manor, cawed once, orange legs trailing, the wings as broad as bird is long, the plumy neck recurved, that odd boneless S. This heron flew over the house, veered west beyond the chimney, cawed, disappeared, left human being marveling and somewhat cheered at first, nature. Then she knew, frightening, all about the fall from grace that's made the sighting of a heron now and here rare as winter lightning. This is a, a relationship poem, Dropped Stitch. Another sweater begun as if it were for him, as if it could ever be for him, as if he would wear it ever, as if he would see it ever. The knit and pearl, angora of her life, the jute of her life, the sweater begun because the screen door has slammed for the final time and there is nothing more to say. Knit one, curl two. The CBC. The final news of the day, yarn over, yarn under, tessellation of loop into loop. Somewhere in Saskatchewan, a jury is deadlocked. 
A crisis looms on Wall Street. The Leafs have won their third in a row. Her red wool, her white wool, fumble, unravel, pearl again. Tomorrow will be cloudy with chance of rain. Pearl one, knit two, pearl one. As sure as she knows that even the news will end sometime, the screen will go dark, and in the silence of rooms, she'll be able to hear the falling of dust as it settles on covers of books, on the pages of letters. As sure as that, she knows she'd give whatever years remain to her for the boon of ripping out that ruined row of picking up Pearl 2, the dropped stitch. That's still a hard one to read. Deciduous for Tim. Our paddles dip in unison. We do this well together. My bow, your stern, the dog between. We've had a change of weather and only loons are talking now. Small snow, the empty trees, the delicate bones of hills behind, the black and white of these are all around our red canoe. Our silent maple blades in synchronistic change of sides drip with small cascades and circle after circle grows across the empty lake. Behind, a swimming beaver slaps and wake is crossing wake. You bring us in, I tie the lines, the simple tasks of docking. I'm carrying our packs ashore, but only loons are talking. The do-si-do -si -do of making camp. We do this well together and hammer stakes in unison. Unwrap the tent. We tether every corner tight. We kindle, fire, cook. We meet the dark with sleeping bags, the dog between, and books. She rarely barks. We have had other winters, true. I always wondered then about our weather, when and if we'd see a spring again. Beneath the trees, our pages turn. The Coleman lantern hisses. The dog is snoring. We exchange the briefest goodnight kisses. Making coffee, breaking camp, we do this well together. But white caps, wind, and lowered skies promise heavy weather. This is a different kind of love poem. Gazelle by night. 
spoken quiet in the dark, a tale's unfolding. Storyteller yet unnamed, unveiled, unfolding. At 17, her legs were long and lithe. She leapt across the seven mountains, a fairy tale unfolding. Troubadour is tuning, lute is all a hum. Notes in major and in minor scales unfolding. Chambered Nautilus, room by room, walls as pearly lucent as a fingernail unfolding. Deep within the cedar chest are quilts she's made. Guests arrive, velvet, silk, percales unfolding. Night bloomed jasmine, leaves and petals are, though beset by worm and garden snail, unfolding. Beneath the Pleiades we met, and not by chance, our thighs and shoulders were moon pale unfolding. Fragrant envelopes, red with golden foil, surround each chocolate. Diane inhales, unfolding. And I'll end with a poem about something that I've missed most during this pandemic, which seems to be starting to happen again. Street fair, the trader speaks. We'll pitch our tents by light of sun or moon. In every land on earth, we show our wares, white canopies above at dusk and noon. We'll drive our SUVs all afternoon, arrange our coolers, tables, benches, chairs. We'll pitch our tents by light of sun or moon to bring you terracotta, cast the rooms, sell wooden toys, crocheted and knitted squares, white canopies above. At dusk and noon, Across the aisle, a woman sells balloons and puzzles, woolly sheep and teddy bears. She'd gladly pitch her tents upon the moon. Another draws the people as cartoons. A chocolatier has samples that he shares, white canopies above, at dusk, at noon. In times of plague and war, we ask this boon, O Queen Bazaar, and hope you hear our prayers. Preserve our canopies at, night, at dusk and noon. Please bless the tents we pitch beneath the moon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Diane. Wonderful. I really appreciate you coming today. That was so great and such a <laughs> lovely relief after our interruption. Um, so our next poet this afternoon is Prado Serino. 
Her four prize-winning poetry collections include Indian Rope Trick, Elephant Raga, Call from Paris, and her illustrated Causing a Stir, The Secret Lives and Loves of Kitchen Utensils. Poet Laurette Emerita of Marin County from 2015 to 17, MFA from Syracuse University 2013, and Radio Disney Super Teacher uh, in 2005. She was a poet in the schools for 21 years and currently teaches the poetic pilgrimage, poem making a spiritual practice uh, online. Bertha holds over four years in an Indian ashram as her strongest creative influence, but also credits excursions into other art forms, counseling psychologist, vegetarian cook, mother of two, meditation and yoga instructor at Cornell University, book and cover illustrator, and amateur singer-songwriter. In January of 2022, she was named Artist of the Month by the Point Reyes Dance Palace, which celebrated her with a virtual show entitled Poems and Paint in Conversation, pairing Partho's watercolor paintings with recitations of simpatico poems. You can visit her online at parthoserino.com. So Partho, if you would be so kind as to take it away, we can't wait to hear your poems. Great. Oh, thank you, everybody. What a sight to behold all the people who have come. And also thank you so much, Diane, for bringing us in on those beautiful nature poems and heartful poems, beautiful. So um, yeah, I'm just so, I'm so grateful. <laughs> and I guess that's what, you know, I, I teach a course called Poetry as Spiritual Practice. And I realized just sitting here that uh, it has taught me gratitude if, more than almost anything else. And gratitude for the people that share it and, um, and for what it allows me to see and hear. And so without too much further ado, I am going to read a, a mostly new poems, but I thought I would, you know, I've been painting a lot more since COVID. And I'm going to actually show you, this is a painting from, um, this is just a reproduction from my book, Causing a Stir, The Secret Lives and Loves of Kitchen Utensils. And it's later maybe. <laughs> and this is actually my grandson who's now going to graduate from high school. So it was a while back. But he's riding on a pastry blender, which is this. In fact, this might have been the one I used to do it. And um, so I thought I'd just start open with that one because it's a little bit snappy. And it goes like this. <clears throat> if you know a pastry blender, you know it's how you make pie. Although a lot of people use that for mashing potatoes. But this is for, uh, you know, breaking up the butter and getting it. It's supposed to be like cornmeal. You know, there's all these different instructions you'll hear in the poem. So pastry blender. To master the art of crumble, the way of tenderness, let yourself teeter and tumble, rock with your worries, roll with your stress. Turn those mealy-mouthed mumbles into joyful grumbles, cobblers, tarts, quiche, Lorraine. Never mind all the prattle of money and fame. Ride loose in the saddle, be loose with the reins. Some will taunt and call you flaky. Just say yes and take a bow. For soon will come the oohs and wows as you melt like butter in their mouths. So <laughs> that's, that's that one. And actually, just to also show, I'm uh, working on this. I just started this one, uh, and this is my latest. So, you know, I don't know where these come from exactly. This is two women sharing tea, 
and there's a giraffe has decided to show up. <laughs> so that's sort of how my paintings happen and also my poems. I'm going to mainly uh, work from new, my new poems, read from my new poems, because I'm most interested in them. I have heard some of the great artists say the thing they're most, they like the most is um, the one they're working on now. So here we go. This is very new, The Game of Hearts. Uh, those of you who know the game, you will definitely recognize a lot of things. So, I mean, Hearts is this game where you're trying not to get points, right? Except for there's one exception. So, and Hearts are points. So here we go, but you don't want to get them. Okay, The Game of Hearts. Your job is to lose as many tricks as possible. So when the cards are laid on the table, you come up empty. You'll want whatever sweetness you've been dealt to wind up in somebody else's hand. Strangely winning logic, the art of giveaway, of lying low. It's wise to make peace with the dark, especially the lady who holds it in spades, whose heavy heart will surely topple the endgame scales. Know where she lives, the pariah queen, and whenever you can, set her free. But if, she, if you found she slunk into your lair, oh well. For just this one round, give up the ghost, give in to the underground broodings of soul, go the whole hog, shoot the moon. You kind of have to know the game to get that all, but <clears throat> so the next one is another sort of childhood reminiscence. I haven't played hearts in a long time, but my my a large brood of siblings, um, there were six of us, and we played a lot of that. So, um, so this is called the skies of the fifties, and it's about the Rose Planetarium, which is the uh, planetarium in New York City. Skies of the fifties. When the astronomer darkens the dome of the Rose Planetarium to coax out the stars, there is no stopping them. Each deepening of the dark brings more until we're buried in an avalanche of stars, stars upon stars, a nearly total eclipse of all we'd taken for true. The astronomer breaks in through his, sorry, from his lectern, these, before the stampede of electric lamps eroded our nights, these were the skies of the 50s. And we're on the ground again to be counted among the fallen in the great wars between wonder and grief. Spread eagle on the threadbare grasses of childhood, clinging to our bright little beach ball as we splash through the unfathomable flopping with stars. Now, a big part of my new collection, which I'm right now shopping around, um, is a whole series, actually, one of the poems is called, in fact, I might be reading it, Apologies to Stephen Hawking. And they're kind of riffs on um, f physics <laughs> and like that, astrophysics, things like that. This one is called uh, Relative Velocity. I don't have forever, my friend who needed a lover told God, like you do. Her garden was overgrown, breakfast nook empty, 
feet interminably cold. That's the way it is down here, where leaf blowers cough up dust devils and possums ginger forth at dusk to stare in with troubled pink eyes. In these parts, it's one perplexing whirl from this to that. She didn't need money, she said, or a place to rest her head. She had enough of just about everything. But time was another thing, and though she'd been told the Almighty didn't have much use for it, time's the only train in this town. So she hopped on and sent up her plea, and just like that, a good-looking sailor sailed into her yard sale. No projects of his own, as specified, just an easy smile, warm feet, and an almost unearthly eagerness to get things done. So you can see my, it, I definitely need to have apologies to the physicists like Stephen Hawking. Here we go. With apologies to Stephen Hawking. On the corner of a strange town, brick red shingles, unkempt lawn, lawn, porthole window in the peeling door, a place I know well, but shouldn't, from a dream or that other time when I knew myself to be someone else, or that other one I will breathe into later. I know what you want to say. I shouldn't trust this. There are roundabouts in the brain to account for deja vu, the confluence of synapses that sometimes makes the foreign strangely familiar. And you're sure to assure me that the mind and we in its carriage are confined to a singular direction, the past in its rattling pursuit of times to come. Not even you, Stephen Hawking, with your magnificently folded and matterful gray, thought you could remember the future. And yet, here we are. So this is called Particles and Waves, and they're just little tidbits, which is one of my favorite things to write, actually, are these things that don't need a whole lot of words. Particles and waves. Of course, that's the whole, well, I won't go into the physics, <laughs> but uh, not one straight limb in the Bentwood rocker, my favorite seat. Beetle in that phosphorescent cloak. Have you been visiting the Northern Lights? They beg me to come down when I hover at the ceiling in dreams where I've remembered how to fly. Nobody remembered to take out the trash till it fell on me, this bucket full of stars. My paint pots must have gossiped all night. This morning, they have nothing to say. This house full of trinkets, potted plants, poetry books, hand-turned bowls, the bewildering magnet of human want. When I ask my grandson how he'll pay for the profusion of ephemera he's heaping into my cart, he's quick to do the math. He has two wiggly teeth. <laughs> he really said that. <laughs> he's got two wiggly teeth. Uh, okay, a love poem and a little ending. So 
20th anniversary. <clears throat> I think you'll get the story. I'm not going to worry about it. Could this be the love poem where I get to walk through the bakery door again and you get to hope that I'm the one, the one you've been writing to for weeks? Isn't that the pewter sky of January, the pungence of coffee wafting up from chipped and stained diner mugs? The downtown trees have seen it all. They go on with their town square gossips. The pigeons show more interest, tuned as they are to the crumble of muffin and scone, but even they don't notice our ghostly, snow-capped selves, hunched outside to eavesdrop on the scene, looking in through the steamed-up windows. Your eyes are beautiful, you say. I'd like to see you again. But not out loud. You wait to go home and write it in a letter. And I will end with autumn accounts. Um, here we go. <laughs> they say it's never too late. What with the late president skydive for his 90th and the hundred year old water skier who waved from my fridge till his photo yellowed and frayed. But it probably is too late to train in rocket science or concert piano, too late to free climb half dome or take up oral surgery. And it is surely too late to die young. Still, there may be time to enter the longing and give ourselves to what we become when we turn in its light. Pitcher of twilight, angel of glass, a grasshopper, the size of a young boy's heart. A labyrinth of stones, like the ones we discovered in the hills, that slow walk to nowhere, the very same nowhere we were getting to so fast. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful, Partha, thank you so much. Mm. Such beautiful poems. Oh, I'm so lucky. I love these readings because I every, I mean, every month you just knock me out, truly. Um, okay, so on to our very last poet of the day. Kai Kagan is the author of four poetry collections, most recently Mining for Stardust and Incandescent. She is a queer woman of color who thinks Black Lives Matter, a teaching artist in poetry with the Arkansas Arts Council and Arkansas Learning Through the Arts, and the host of the longest running consecutive weekly open mic series in the country, and I'm going to catch up to you, uh, Wednesday Night Poetry. Uh, recently awarded the 2021 Governor's Arts Award and named Best Poet in Arkansas by the Arkansas Times, her fierce and powerful poetry has been nominated four times for the Pushcart Prize, as well as Bettering American Poetry 2015 and Best of the Net 2016 and 2018. Her poems have appeared or are forthcoming in Poetry, Cultural Weekly, Solstice, Bellevue Literary Review, Tab, Entropy, Swim, so many, so many wonderful places. Um, Coggin is the associate editor at the Rise Up Review. She lives with her wife and their two adorable dogs in the valley of a small mountain in Hot Springs National, Hot Springs National Park, Arkansas. So Kai, I am very excited to hear your poems and um, so far so good. I think your, your bandwidth is okay. So off you go. 
Okay, um, so thank you for letting me know that. I, I just want you to know that my bandwidth here in Arkansas on the weekends is sometimes a little bit low. So just let me know or close your eyes um, and you can, you can feel my poems and listen to them if I'm a blur. Um, but thank you so much to Sean and Partho and Diane for sharing this space with me and I'm just honored to be here. Um, my recent collection, Mining for Stardust, is a pandemic book. The first poem in the book was written on the first day of the lockdown. And the poem I'm going to start with today was a poem that I wrote two years ago to this day, Palm Sunday, 2020. Lazarus. It's Palm Sunday, a movable feast that has been moved inside, minus the palms, minus the hands minus the peace. And I speak only in these fragmented psalms, but my palms ache to touch you. Bring my fingers to bless your cheekbones. Sweep your eyes with supple thumbs. Cradle your neck and pull you into me, our passion play. I lay myself down at your holy feet. Bend my fronds under your weight. Lazarus me with your kiss. The lines of my hands shape words into worlds that only want to blend with yours. Fortune tell a sense of longing and loss, and we are all just islands of want. Around the world, palms are empty, in waiting, in desperation, in quiet, prayered plea. We scrub and we scrub, soaping the hope we will not become casualty, and lately, this theme pervades all my poetry. These hours, days, weeks, months in solitary. Into wildflower, into field. I spent a lot of time in the garden, um, as I'm sure most of you all did. Um, into wildflower, into field. It's dusk and I watch you water our newly planted garden. The radish, and the radish and arugula are first to push up through the soil, green hands in prayer unfolding towards sun and sky, and I sit on the side and write as you coax them toward you. It's like you're singing invisibly to the sleeping bed of seeds, like I can see the vibration of your gentle harvest hope. My own fingers begin searching the earth. My body bends toward the light of you. I green into a personal spring. My seeds break open again and again, searching for sun and sky, your blue, blue eyes, constant gardener. You water the drought of me into wildflower, into royal meadow into fields and fields and fields. Did you ever think our lives would bloom into this? On the ridgeline, the setting day paints us in an impermanent gold. But even now, in the darkest dark of night, everything around us is a glow. Should I keep my camera on? Is everything okay? Am I coming through all right? Yeah, okay, good. excellent. The fox comments on proper burial procedure at 10,000 dead. I rake a path through the woods, change the energy of the land, 
move leaves and earth with the sweep of my hands, layers of season, crunchy brown, the wet year before, yellow, decaying, until I hit pure ground, dark dirt. Winding and curving the soft, wet forest in silence, one rake uncovers the sun-bleached bones of a quick fox. Years white fade, blaring bone bright against the mud-colored mud floor. I see the shape of him, the movement, the grace of his fossilized grandeur, his delicate hind leg, maybe a shoulder, blading through the grass, vertebrae articulating something I haven't the words for yet. I pick up a tiny white backbone, hold its weightlessness in my palm, turn it in my fingers against the glint of fading day, and I remember the headlines out of New York City this morning. Contingency plan. Ten coffins for each trench. New York City Park. The words dignity and only temporary flash in my eyes as light bounces off bone and there is nowhere to bury all the bodies. There is nowhere to bury all the bodies. I think of the American shut-ins, balcony howling in unison each night into the open sky to thank the essential workers, beating their pots and pans and hands together like the tribe vibration is returning to them. The thread is thicker than the threat that connects us all. My heart sets itself on fire and I howl. I scream so loudly the birds explode from the trees and my mountain sings back to me. Ow! I lay the fox vertebrae back in line with the fox spine. I leave him as whole as I found him and cover his bones with the pure black earth. I hope our 10,000 dead countrymen receive the same dignity, wholeness, rest. Essence. I thinned the seeds already sprouting in our bamboo garden, the radish, beet, carrot, and bean, pulled each birth out of the earth and laid it on my tongue, crushed it, with my teeth. And did you know that these tiny sprouts, these little leaves and baby greens already hold the heavy flavors of their final selves? If only we tasted our own essence from birth, knew the transformations to come were all part of the becoming, that we had the imprint all along. tendrils. I seem to be finding all my poems in the garden. This isolation from people has me speaking in the language of leaves and leaving, 
This morning, I find my poem in the raveling snow peas, twisted up in their reaching, their climb and striving up the guiding trellis, all tendrils and swirl, all growing and beauty unfurling more and more each moment, the way I reach for you more and more each moment, all wanting and ache unfurling the way my gentle tendrils reach and ravel into the space between us. This is called Not Enough Words for Light. It's the first time we've ever gone camping, 12 years and we have been roughing it in our own personal heaven on earth, our home outside here with all our wild, but never like this in a tent with the night building quiet around a campfire. There are logs burning, crackling like our tongues against the darkening sky. And you tell me we will be able to see the Milky Way from here. It's one of those lights out campsites that cultivates stargazing and a galaxy hangs from my heart and spins toward you. A veil of lights drops or lifts or suddenly manifests from the ground up and all around us as though pinprick holes were cut in the grass and trees everywhere. There are tiny dances of floating light, not just summer night firefly light, but every branch of every tree lit up and sparkling like glimmer never knew its definition until now. We walk across the meadow to sit on the hood of the car, a drive-in movie of movement and flight. We face the wall of trees that hugs us from all sides, and we chase the shooting flames of bioluminescent beings seeing each other, calling out with the sex of their colors, blinking their lust like a song into the breaking open night oh to make light out of our bodies like this just by breathing chemicals reacting like this like us and how the light show becomes a blur because above the tree line spread across the dome of night are millions of flickering stars all shimmer and shine speaking the same language as the fireflies Illumination rippling up and out in cosmic waves, a slow dance into the infinite, from grass to trees to glinting sky. And there are not enough words for light to embody this moment, not enough synonyms for shine to describe something this divine. And yes, we sat in wonder, and maybe we slow danced. And maybe we kissed, and poets wait their whole lives for love scenes like this. And even in this earnest retelling, remembering sleep underneath all of those stars, rolling over into your arms and waking up covered in dew. My smile is the Milky Way. You can see from here. And it shines, darling. It shines for you. I love a love poem. <laughs> um, on Memorial Day 2020, we hit 100,000 dead. Um, and so I had to write a poem. Um, and this book is, is a book of healing, but it's a book of also 
naming what we all went through collectively in 2020. Um, it does not shy away from the politics. It does not shy away from the racial reckoning, but it gives the reader hope and hopefully a sense of healing. And it is infused with light. Makeshift Memorial. We crossed over the 100,000 mark like it was just another Tuesday. No fanfare, no flourish of flowers left on 100,000 graves. Funeralist limbo walkers who disappear like a fog into the history we are writing with our collective inadequacy to be decent to one another. A memorial is an object which serves as a focus for the memory or the commemoration of something usually an influential deceased person or a historical tragic event, Wikipedia. From behind a mask, I whisper 100,000 names on the day we call memorial, because something should be done to remember the living as they slip away, the uptick in numbers that were never just numbers, but bodies full of breath, full of breath, full of breath, knees and arms, ankles and bellies, cheeks that smiled at dimples, gaps in their teeth, snores when she sleeps, feet that once learned to tango, earlobes once kissed in moonlight, curls of hair silkened to white, his aching back that worked so hard in the field, her childbearing hips leaving children behind, hands and hands and hands that reach for mine in my mind not just numbers, but human beings, reduced, reduced, reduced until the only common denominator is how quickly they are forgotten in this pandemic pandemonium. I can't sit with that. No, not today. On Memorial Day, we remember those who fought for our country and died, but half the country forgot those fighting in ICU beds just to stay alive the collective death toll of our last four wars, and half of the country doesn't want to quarantine anymore. 100,000 dead while America throws pool parties, beaches and boardwalks swarm with shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder crowds who dismiss the safety of the future for the party of now. Because this is America, land of the free and don't tread on me and nobody's gonna tell me to wear a mask. And all of those soldiers who died in all of those wars. I guess America can tell them it's too much to ask to protect one another and help slow the spread. So happy Memorial Day, America. 100,000 are dead. A mass grave of indifference. Red-capped rebels drinking their bleach cocktails. And they are here, banging on the door of my reverence to the lost waving their AR-15s on the capital steps of this poem, and I breathe them out, and I breathe them out, and I breathe them out. I build a makeshift memorial in my heart for the lives we have lost, photos and teddy bears and scraps of poems. I light 100,000 candles in the pit of my ribcage so that when I speak, only the light of them releases into the dark night of this country. I dance with their 100,000 ghosts. I lay their favorite flowers at all of their perfect feet. 
In the language of heart, I know their favorite flowers, and I lay a bright she loves me petal on each of their perfect lips so they can breathe easy the ethers of beauty while they rise into becoming anew. We have to give them that grace, even just a thought, a well-wish into the stars. We have to give them that grace. Tomorrow in America, a new story named George Floyd will take our focus, will move us into fury or collapse us into numbness. But today, I am a makeshift memorial, a mouth full of epitaphs, a funeral pyre burning the sound of 100,000 names into the history of a country too quick to forget. And I'm going to end with another love poem. Um, I don't have time to read the one I was going to read, but it's a, I'm going to read a short love poem for my wife. My wife and I were actually able to get married in 2020. So that was one of the bright spots of that year. We got married on Zoom. Um, so I had hundreds of poets and our family and friends from all over the world. Um, and so the first poem that I ever got to call her my wife in is in this book. So that was a, a really big deal for me. Um, but I'm going to read another poem. This is called Palette and it's just a short love poem. Last night before sleep, she drew pictures on my back with her fingers, a test of my spatial recognition, my ability to form a horse, a sun, a sailboat from the movement of her fingertip traces against my skin, to see it take shape in my mind's eye, invisible palette. The curvature of my back competing with her delicate design of flower, fish, smile. And I cannot guess, cannot translate the trace to shape each time she erases whole palm swipes in the dark and she tries again. Rabbit, snail. And I am the worst at this game because just by being touched by the fingertip of this artist, just having my skin rise to meet her, all I can picture in these traces is heaven, heaven, heaven. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, what an amazing reading today. So much beauty, so much grace, so much love. I'm so grateful to all of you for coming. I'm so grateful to my beloved poets for, for joining me today. Um, gosh, I really am such a lucky woman. I, uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you for coming. Uh, the recording of this reading will be up on our YouTube channel in the next few days. So keep your eyes peeled. And the next second Sunday poetry series date is Sunday, May 15th. Um, we have to push it a week forward because it's Mother's Day on the 8th. So uh, you know, a lot of people can't make it on that day. So I hope to see all of you back here next month for another spectacular reading. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and so please, uh, please visit these wonderful poets websites, buy their books, follow them on social media, attend all of their readings, and take their classes. Um, this is, mm -hmm. I think, you know, Second Sunday Poetry Series is a small venue, but uh, I want to promote everybody as much as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. So can thank you put you. things in the chat? Sure, yeah, put things in the chat right. as much as you want. Go for it. 
So, yep, wonderful to see everybody here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for supporting poetry. And uh, once again, go buy books because books are good for your health. <laughs> Goodbye, all. I'll see you next month. Bye. Thank you.